Taiwan has extended its level three COVID alert, but plans to partially lift restrictions next week. Health Minister Chen Shizong announced the decision on Thursday, citing the easing epidemic. Starting next Tuesday, restaurants can once again offer dine-in service, although they'll have to ensure social distancing. Concert halls will allow, be allowed to reopen, but only to performers, not audiences. In addition, tour agencies will be able to offer group tours capped at eight people. Restrictions that will remain include mandatory mask wearing, no indoor gatherings of more than five people, or outdoor gatherings of more than ten. The level three alert will be extended, but some restrictions will be loosened. The criteria for lifting level three are having fewer than ten local cases with an unknown infection source and fewer than three community clusters in a week. At present, we are right on the brink. CECC Chief Chen Shizhong announced that the level three alert will be extended two weeks to July 26, although some restrictions will be lifted in advance. Reopening will be permitted for outdoor venues like national parks, national scenic areas, amusement parks, leisure farms, forest recreation areas, botanical gardens, cultural parks, campus sport fields, and driving schools. Some indoor venues can reopen too. These include art galleries, museums, movie theaters, performance halls, social education centers, and science centers. Spectators should still not be allowed in performance venues and stadiums at this time, but some adjustments can be made based on the epidemic's development. The CECC chief listed more facilities allowed to reopen: sports stadiums, gyms, and professional sports grounds. But swimming pools, where masks cannot be worn at all times, will have to stay closed. Dining in can resume too. Restaurants, night markets, and food courts will be allowed to seat customers once again, provided that they meet CECC guidelines. Travel agencies can also resume tours of less than nine people. 好，要十连制出入口的管制。They must enforce real name registration, entrance control, and crowd control measures, and seating capacity limits. Social distancing must be maintained, and masks must be worn at all times, except when eating and drinking. Local governments can make local adjustments to the reopening based on the needs of the epidemic. Let us all try to get the level three alert lifted by July 26. That's our true goal. Let's work toward it together. Local governments may restrict the reopening in response to COVID developments. In the coming weeks, striking a balance between reopening and COVID prevention will put Taiwan to the test. Taiwan's daily COVID count reached a new low on Thursday, with just 18 local infections. The health minister had this to say. This can be said to be the day with the fewest cases since the start of this COVID wave. We hope that the number will continue to fall. Breaking it down by administrative area, 12 cases were in Taipei and six in New Taipei. So far, 82.5% of all cases have been released from isolation. As for the vaccination campaign, as of Thursday morning, 2.9 million people had received at least one shot. So far, the vaccine coverage rate is 12.12%. Officials are aiming for 25% by the end of July. 
People who are clinically obese will be among the next group to get COVID vaccines. They are officially part of Category 9, younger adults who have a high-risk disease, a rare disease or catastrophic illness. But the bar is high for proving obesity for vaccination purposes. To be eligible, a patient must have obesity listed as the primary diagnosis of a hospital visit between January 2020 and May this year. Obesity is a common health condition and it often occurs with cardiovascular problems or the so-called three highs, high blood pressure, high blood lipids and high blood sugar. Because of this, people with obesity have been given priority access to vaccines. All I know is that when you're getting weighed and measured, they'll tell you your BMI. I feel like it's really hard to prove that you're overweight or obese. Currently, the health insurance system does not cover the condition of obesity. So when patients NHI files, you probably won't ever see the diagnosis of obesity written in there. Although we have had patients request a proof of diagnosis, it wasn't for getting vaccinated. In most cases, it was for reasons related to insurance benefits. Under the current vaccine regulations, an obese person is someone who received a primary diagnosis of obesity on their NHI file between January 2020 and this May. Some people classified as obese still don't qualify. They were given a different primary diagnosis, with obesity listed as a secondary diagnosis. Whenever a patient's BMI is 30 or above, we'll make that the primary diagnosis, calling it morbid obesity. In most cases, these are young people. When we see an older adult who's a little overweight due to diabetes or high blood pressure, we seldom make obesity the primary diagnosis. Young people account for the majority of patients diagnosed with obesity. Because overweight people are prone to inflammation, they are at risk of developing severe symptoms when infected by COVID. We found that COVID cases with a BMI value above 30 have 113% the average hospitalization rate. The rate of mild cases transition to severe cases is 74% higher. Even the mortality rate is 48% higher. It's risky to be obese and hard to prove one's obesity. Overweight people eyeing a vaccine hope the central government will adjust its standards. Japan's second donation of COVID vaccines has arrived. Transported by a Japan Airlines flight, it contained 1.13 million doses of AstraZeneca. Another 620,000 doses arrived the day before, part of an order placed directly with AstraZeneca. The new vaccines have gone straight to inspection and they could be ready to administer by next Thursday. With the AZ vaccines received these two days, the CECC will officially launch the vaccine appointment system next week. Those who meet the criteria for the first wave, that is, people who selected AstraZeneca and who are in the age range, will receive the first batch of text messages from 1922. After receiving their texts, they can make an appointment anywhere in the country to get vaccinated as soon as possible. The government's vaccine booking system, 1922.gov.tw, was tested out this week in Ponghu, Jinmen and Matsu. Starting next week, it will, allow, it will begin to allow people on Taiwan proper in the priority groups to book a vaccination slot. 
Students at National Taiwan University of Science and Technology have triumphed in the 2021 Architecture Master Prize contest. Fifteen designs from the school won honors at the highly prestigious design event. Among them is a walkway that reduces pedestrian exposure to ultraviolet light. The structure will use plant proteins to regulate UV levels, opening and closing to create a built environment that in effect breathes. This computer simulated graphic is the photosynthesis protective shell. It was designed over three months by second year master students Chen Jianxun and Sun Xiaoyu. The design won the students' prize in the 2021 Architecture Master Prize contest. We have a deep understanding of environmental issues and we care deeply about environmental protection and disasters. We concentrated on designing for topics like the environment and the greenhouse effect. I have entered the ADC awards contest before. It's really a difficult prize to win. This year, I feel it's serious recognition for a team's design to win. The design was inspired by the high levels of ultraviolet light in Australia. Its protective shell mimics the opening and closing of a plant. It can absorb UV radiation, monitor UV levels, and protect people from overexposure. The shell automatically closes to protect pedestrians when UV levels are high and opens when the levels are low to create a pleasant environment. It can even store UV light absorbed in the day and and re-emit it at night as lamplight, saving electricity. During in-person learning, each of them got on with their own tasks. They were often way ahead of the progress targets we had set for them. It was the same when we had remote learning. Every week we discussed their progress and their work, and there was always an enormous amount. So that makes me think that our students are not only able to perform well in their specialty, they also have an excellent attitude toward the studies. That's really special. The Architecture Master Prize, based in New York, is one of the most highly regarded global architecture awards in the world. This year, over 2,000 designs were submitted, but only 192 were awarded prizes. Fifteen of the prize-winning designs came from NTUST's architecture department, landing the university sixth place among schools globally. Now, have you ever ordered something online and then have it never arrive? More people than ever are having this problem. Since the Level 3 alert began, people have started buying everyday essentials online, everything from fruit to toilet paper. That has led to major shipping congestions and delays. The government says that complaints about product shipping are at an all-time high. Between May 19th and July 5th, it received 86 complaints about a product arriving late or not at all. The Executive Yen's Consumer Protection Committee says that this type of complaint is typically very rare. It says that if you don't receive what you ordered, call up the company's customer service and record your conversation. That makes it easier for you to build your case for a refund. 
And now to world news. Haiti is in upheaval after its president, Jovenel Moïse, was assassinated overnight in his home. Its interim president, Claude Joseph, has declared a state of siege, effectively placing the country under martial law. Moïse was killed in his own home by gunmen Haitian authorities described as foreign mercenaries. Taiwan's foreign ministry has condemned the assassination and President Tsai Ing-wen has extended her condolences to Taiwan's Caribbean ally. This footage shows men approaching the home of the president of Haiti. At 1 a.m. Wednesday, assailants stormed the home and opened fire, killing the head of state. Walls at the residence show marks from the shooting, with bullet cartridges on the ground. I just presided over a cabinet meeting this morning, and we decided to put the country under the state of siege. I share the pain and the suffering with the president's family. President Tsai had visited Haiti back in 2019. She was welcomed at the airport by Moise in the country's ceremonial guard. It was the last time the two would ever meet. Upon learning of Moise's assassination, President Tsai expressed her condolences on Twitter and wished the injured First Lady a prompt recovery. She said Taiwan stood with its ally Haiti in this difficult time. Haiti was one of the countries Tsai visited on her Caribbean tour two years ago. Back then, Moise had appealed to the delegation for more investment in his country. Madame la Madam President, our two countries thus inaugurate a new cooperation dynamic that relies on direct investments from Taiwan and Haiti. Haiti's geographical location offers Taiwanese firms a gateway into this strategic corridor, which streams more than 40% of international trade. Due to instability in the Caribbean country, Tsai was closely escorted by military police at all times during the whirlwind visit, which lasted just four hours. Back then, she didn't spend the night in the country. She stopped for about four hours, more or less. It's indeed the case that the political situation in Haiti has not ever been particularly stable. On top of that, there are factors like frequent natural disasters that contribute to the country's many internal and external problems. It is very regrettable. Today's assassination will only heighten political tensions in the country. We have to do all we can to maintain our diplomatic ties. With a population of 10 million, Haiti is one of the poorest countries in Latin America. For more than a year now, the COVID pandemic has further put strain on the country's economy. In addition, political turmoil has been on the rise, with frequent demonstrations calling on Moise to step down. His critics argued that according to Haiti's constitution, his five-year term as president started the day he was elected rather than the day he took office. But Moïse argued it was, a year later, that marked the true beginning. Both the U.S. and the U.N. supported his claim to power. Since January 2020, Moïse has been ruling the country without a legislature, issuing executive decrees instead. Earlier this year, about 23 people were arrested, accused of attempting a coup against him. Now, Moïse's assassination could throw an already turbulent Haiti into chaos. Turning to sport, Taiwan's professional baseball will be back starting next week. The Central Epidemic Command Center has approved a plan for the CPBL to resume the season starting Tuesday. The season has been on hold for almost two months since May 18th. Games can soon resume on a closed-door basis and only in ballparks outside of Taipei and New Taipei. The CPBL says it's already making the arrangements and will soon announce its schedule for the games.
And now we turn to the Olympics. Taiwan's men's artistic gymnastics is a big medal hope for 2020, Tokyo 2020. Our top male gymnast, Lee Jakai, is heading back for his second Olympic Games, and he has a stellar team to support him. Altogether, the four gymnasts hope to rank in the top eight teams in the world in a fiercely competitive sport. Luckily, the delay due to COVID has afforded them valuable extra training time. Meet Taiwan's men's artistic gymnastics team, Lee, Tang Jiahong, Yu Chaowei, and Xiao Youran. This is Lee's second Olympics. He's excited, he says, but also wary. Now we have the last 16 days left. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm also scared to get hurt. The top priority is that I hope I can fulfill my potential fully. On the individual pommel horse, I want to get into the final, and if I can do that, I want to get on the podium. There's about two weeks left. We're gradually shifting our training and our group strategy toward doing tests as mock practices for the Olympics. The team's latest updates were shared in this online press conference. Taiwan has a hope of a medal on the individual horse and on the bar this year. The whole team is aiming to get in the top eight as a collective. Lee is the mainstay of the team, but Tang, an up-and-coming star, is also getting lots of attention. Around the whole world, it was kind of impossible for anyone to train normally in early 2020 due to the start of the pandemic. Actually, it was probably a bit better in Taiwan than in other countries. We got perhaps three to six more months of normal training than other athletes. The team qualified back in 2019. COVID gave them an unexpected extra year to train, and that was a boon throughout 2020 with the virus under control and great training conditions. Now they're ready to head to Tokyo at last. When life gives you lemons, plant a garden. That's what one Gaoshan couple did when the pandemic forced the closure of their small business. Wanting to make the best of their newfound free time, they went to Pingdong to fix up an old country property. Slowly but surely, they're turning it into a dream home, complete with a garden and exquisite mural art. Let's take a look. Stroke by stroke, a wall becomes a blue ocean, home to a humpback whale. Kaohsiung jeweler Chen Yanling, who loves to paint, is using the walls of this country home as a canvas. The adjacent wall is painted bright yellow. Look close and you'll find that the paint is uneven with a textured beauty. The yellow is reminiscent of Van Gogh's sunflowers and the view outside the window is straight out of Provence. I saw that huge expanse of greenery outside the window and it felt a lot like southern France. So I thought this place would be very suitable. Here, I don't have to go abroad to enjoy an exotic locale. Because of COVID, we're stuck inside as we do our best to prevent crowds. I thought we ought to come here to do some gardening and that we may as well use this wall as a canvas for art. This husband and wife are from Kaohsiung, where they own a jewelry business that's closed due to the pandemic. Not wanting to spend all day at home, they went down to the countryside to fix up an old farmhouse they bought in Pingdong's Yempu Township. Chen is locally famous as an artist as well as a good Samaritan. In September 2018, she made headlines when she stopped to help a homeless man injured in a car crash. She gave him food and 2,000 NT 
telling him to go see a doctor. Because I thought he was probably very poor. Initially, he insisted on not going to a doctor, so I told my kids to go home and get 2,000 NT for him. I thought he must not have the money to go see a doctor. With artistic talent and a heart of gold, she's embracing the changes brought by COVID. She and her husband are living their best life as they wait out the pandemic. And now to the string of earthquakes rattling Hualien over the past 48 hours. They include two magnitude 5.4 tremors Thursday morning and the night before. The Central Weather Bureau has warned the aftershocks are likely to continue for another week. The camera jostles as an earthquake ripples through the building, shaking furniture violently at this Hualien home. Suspended lights rattle from the ceiling as a dog wails in the background. One local saw her glass door shatter into pieces onto the ground. At Hualien's Yuemei village, dozens of rocks shook loose and fell to the road. This boulder was so big it took three people to remove. At 7.24 Wednesday evening, a 5.4 magnitude earthquake struck Shoufeng Township, reaching a high of 5 on the intensity scale. It was followed by aftershocks at 7.39 and 7.42 for a total of three earthquakes in an hour. The next morning at 6.11, another 5.4 earthquake struck, snapping Hualien's famous twin heart sculpture with a crack. At a local post office, the shaking dislodged bits of the outer wall. In 48 hours, no fewer than 15 earthquakes were recorded in the eastern county, putting residents on edge. At 6.11 in the morning, a 5.4 magnitude earthquake occurred at nearly the same location as the one from the night before. Its depth was also about the same. We can't determine yet whether this earthquake series involves two main shocks, but so far it does look that way. The CWB said that aftershocks may continue for another week. It also addressed local fears that the earthquakes are foreshocks of a larger, more devastating disaster. The plates here are very complicated and very broken. Earthquakes that occur when plates break are typically not very big. The CWB said the region was unlikely to get a major aftershock greater than a magnitude of six.